Father, we just come to you this morning. We shut out every other voice. Every problem that we are going through. Every issue that we are facing. We put it all away. We don't want to listen to your word in the light of our problems. We just want to listen to what you have to say. Speak to us. Give us hearing ears. Hearing ears. Give us hearing ears. The still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Seeing eyes. Help us to receive what you are saying with our heart. Not just with our mind. We submit to your will. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For your words are always life and spirit. The flesh profits nothing, you said. So by faith we put to death the flesh. Because it will not listen. It will not profit anything that you have to say. Help us to receive with the spirit. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Can you reduce the speed of the fan? You can put the fan on if you're feeling hot, but put it at three, not at five. Can we also smile because we just sang joy to the world? (laughs) Yes. Through the week, we preach, we teach, we listen, we study personally. And then Sunday we come into the house of the Lord. And we want to put it all together. Sunday, the Lord's day is different from the other days. I first want you to turn to Second Corinthians 5.17 and we'll start from there. Therefore, <laughs> I like what Derek Prince says, whenever it is written, therefore, you should ask why it is therefore. <laughs> therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. All things have passed away and behold, All things have become new. You know, we will struggle in our faith life until this truth becomes life. Until this becomes our life. Like I was saying last week, personal experience, if you're honest, all of us, before we were saved, We did not have much trouble. But once we got saved, it is not trouble began. It's not trouble began. But we saw trouble in a different light. What happens when you get saved? The human personality splits. Literally splits. Suddenly there are two people inside. There's an old man. And there is a new man. As long as the new man was in there, the old man dealt with his problems differently. 
But once the new man came, the struggle began. The struggle will continue until we actually believe in this. The old things have passed away. That means the old man, I will not allow him to speak. All things have become new. To whom? To the new man. Okay? To the new man. Is it okay if you put it off? For all the meetings I have had in my life, I still remember the meeting I had, the second day's meeting I had it in outside Kathmandu. It was a pastors and leaders conference there. And most of them didn't know me. The first day was good. But second day morning, it was cold. Okay, it's cold. You could see the snow-capped mountains, everything. Second day early morning when I woke up, it was in a resort because they wanted to be there without their children. So they all outsourced their children and the parents were there, the pastors, leaders. And I saw one pastor early morning on the bike with one child. Only one child was there. I said, what happened? He said, I'm, t- I'm taking this child also home. Because you want to listen. And that meeting, I'm telling you, you could literally hear what is said in English, a pin drop. I never have preached in a meeting like that where it was absolutely silent. One, it was away from the city, so no traffic. Two, because it was cold, no fans, no sound. And third, everybody was quiet and listening. But if you are Martha, you won't hear anything. Because there are voices in your mind screaming at Mary. That's the old man. Okay, the old man. So shut that voice down. Turn to Ezekiel 36, 26. New covenant. Old covenant, prophet, speaking to the new covenant people. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. But this is what has happened. When he says, I will take it away, it doesn't mean he has taken it away. It is there. The old person is there. He's given us a new heart. And I said, new spirit. Get this, get this right. Because all of our struggles are with the old man. So don't listen with the old man. That's why I said smile. The new man smiles. Even in persecution, he sings. The old man growls. He's given us a new heart and a new spirit. New spirit. I didn't give it to you. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45. These are, these are like, you know, life, life changing scriptures. Life changing scriptures. And so it is written, the first man, Adam. Can I have it in KJV? Sounds better in KJV. First man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Who is the first man? Adam. Who is the last Adam? Jesus. So all who were born of Adam were living souls. All who were born 
again of Jesus have become quickening spirits. And we don't understand. Before we came to Christ, we were all soulish people. We figured out everything through our soul. And in our soul is our mind. Our reasoning ability. And we need to understand salvation is a saving of your soul. So God says, don't function from your low soul level. You will always struggle. Because that fellow has to be saved. He has to be clean. He has to be sanctified. But after being born again for years and years and years, we were still functioning through the soul. And that's the struggle. That's the struggle. But the new man has been made a quickening spirit. That's what God is saying. I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. When God talks about the heart and the spirit, it's the core part of your being, the new person. That person is born of God. That is the person who can hear from God. Otherwise, think about this. None of the Old Testament prophets, however great they were, even as they prophesied, they did not understand what they were saying. Because they were not born of the Spirit. Yet they were speaking to us. Even when Jesus was teaching during his ministry on earth, what he was speaking, they did not understand. Because he is the new covenant, the harbinger of the new covenant, the first man under the new covenant, still speaking to people who are born of Adam and not born again. That's what the Bible says. After he rose again, he opened their eyes of understanding so they could understand scripture. If you read scripture with the old man, you will not understand scripture. You will not understand what scripture is talking about. You will be caught in the Old Testament. Spiritually speaking, like I said, the Old Testament was written by dead men for for dead people. The New Testament is written for people who are living a quickening spirit. Like last night we had this question and I said, gave this answer. One of the things which I do when I minister to new people who are born again, I always tell them, read only the New Testament for some time. Don't read the Old Testament. Read the New Testament. Over and over and over and over. Soak yourself in the new covenant. Understand it. Then read the Old Testament, you will understand it. But if you start from the Old Testament, your mind will be framed by the law. And the law will kill you. The law will kill you. Because even now, when Moses is read, a whale covers. Read the New Testament. I still remember the day I got saved for the next three weeks. I only read the New Testament. Thank God I did not have Old Testament. <laughs> I only had the New Testament. And I just read and read and read and read. For so many months I read only the New Testament and then went to the Old Testament. Because the New Covenant is completely, totally different. Absolutely different. That's what Jesus is telling, even to his own disciples. My words are spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. Nothing. 
So we have to learn what it is to be a new covenant believer. The old covenant is there, but it is past. We have been given a better covenant with better promises. And we've been hearing past two Sundays, few Sundays we've been hearing. We've been hearing about because we need to understand. If the old covenant is law, what is the new covenant? It is love. It is love. If the old covenant is law, the new covenant is love. Truth, yes, but speak the truth in love. Faith, yes, but faith that works through love. And we need to understand, this is not talking about the natural love that man has. It's not even talking about it at all. It is talking about the love of God. The new covenant is all where we, that's why, when you are soaked in the new covenant and understand truly in your spirit, and then your soul, your reason, your reason is cleansed out and your emotions are cleansed out and you start understanding the love of God, you read the Old Testament, you will realize he was always a God of love. Otherwise we will say he's a God of judgment, he's so angry, he's killing people left and right. No, he's not. He's not. That's why in First Corinthians 13, 13, the word of God says, these three, now abide, faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Greatest. Last Sunday you heard. No? This is how they will know that you are my disciples. How? Not because of our knowledge. Not because of our faith. All this was there in the old covenant. But because of our love. Love for one another. But not the natural love. He says, I have shown you. I have shown you. And he says, this is the paradigm. This is how you need to love one another. That is why you need to understand. Because God's love is the most powerful. That is out there. That's why the devil duplicates it. There's so much fake out there. More than anything duplicated in the 6,000 years of human history, it is love. Why? Because the devil knows the power of it. So the greatest of these is love. And Galatians 5, 6 says, nothing avails circumcision, uncircumcision, the entire world is put into that two groups, but faith working through love. Not just faith. Not just faith. But faith has to work through love. Be careful. We have to be very, very careful about this. The reason is, please understand. If you've been born again, if you're a child of the living God, you're cross judgment. You don't have to worry about judgment. I'm talking judgment in terms of condemnation. You are not condemned anymore. But you will stand before God for judgment, for rewards. And it does not matter what you have done and how great things you have done. If it was not done in love, it will be wiped away. It will be wiped away. Everything, God says, the new covenant in the kingdom is done because of love. 
because of love. You know, when we were studying, even as we studied for acquiring information, knowledge and all, our lecturers used to tell one thing, be exam oriented. With all the knowledge at the end, don't fail. Remember, final exam, when it's coming, keep that in mind. Be exam oriented. So even as we live our Christian lives, be exam oriented. Understand there's only one compulsory subject. Everything has to be done in love. And we are not talking about human love. Because at the core, the human love is selfish. Is selfish. We are not talking about that. We are talking about God's love. In Romans 5, 5, this is what says, the word of God says, hope does not disappoint us. Why is that hope does not disappoint us? Faith, hope and charity or love. But that hope is the hope of glory. Why is it that does, does not, not disappoint us? When do you reach a point when your hope does not disappoint you? You really, really, when you have finished your exams, there is a hope or hopelessness, one of these two. (laughs) But those who have done extremely well have hope and it doesn't disappoint them because they are 100% sure, I know I'm going to get it. He says the hope does not disappoint us. When is that hope does not disappoint us? Is because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit because you know why you did what you did. Why you did what you did. It's not works. It's not just works. It's how did you do your works. And this is not human love. And Jesus makes a very clear distinction. That's why when Jesus is preaching, please remember when Jesus is preaching in his time, he's preaching to old covenant disciples. They are not born again. But he's teaching them, which they will understand later. Once they are born again and baptized with the Holy Spirit, now they start understanding what he actually meant because they are able to receive in the spirit man. Not with their senses, not with their reasoning. They are able to understand. Let's look at how Jesus puts in Matthew. You have heard. You have heard. That's the law. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Now he's talking about this is the natural human love. We love those who love us. That's the company we keep. And that's where the Pharisees are an issue with the company Jesus kept. He said, your master is always with the publicans and the prostitutes. What kind of company does he And he eats and drinks with them. What company does he keep? But he says, you love those who love you. That's a natural human love. But he says, do not even, what, for if you love those who love you, what? What? Reward. If you love those who love you, you have no reward in heaven. There's no reward. That's a human. You already got your reward. You love them, they love you. Got your reward. 
Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. There's only one area. God says, when you are living on earth, you can be perfect like your Father in heaven. It's not in faith. It's not in power. It's not in understanding. It's not in knowledge. It's not in wisdom. It's none of these things we can be perfect. But he says, you can be. In one thing, you can be perfect as your Father is in heaven in loving one another. Why? Because the love of God has been poured into our hearts. The new man, the new heart, the new spirit has been poured in over there by the Spirit of God. It is there. It's not, if you're born again, it is there. But you have to learn. Draw it out. About this love is what Paul would say through the Spirit of God. This love never fails. It never fails. This love never, ever fails. And Jesus would go and tell his brethren, the Jewish people, he says the entire law and the prophets hang on this. Like I said, it's a door with two hinges. Love God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. Then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So even when he's teaching all these things, he's not expecting anything from them. Because the spirit has not been given yet. Remember? In John 7 he says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But he says he meant later. The spirit had not been given yet. So we saw Two Sundays back on Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 and 19. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. How does he dwell in your heart? Through faith. But you being rooted and grounded in love. Christ dwells in your heart by faith. But you are rooted and grounded in love. And then you will be able to comprehend what? With all the saints, what is the width and the length, the depth and the height? Of what? To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Do you see that? The love of God cannot be understood with knowledge. It only can be experienced. And which is true. I mean, all of us experience a lot of things which we don't understand. I told last week, I use the microwave every day. I haven't understood it yet. Still haven't figured how it works. You can expassively and sit and scientifically explain me. I still will not understand. Okay. The love of God which passes knowledge, meaning microwave can be understood by the scientific man. But even the scientific man cannot understand the love of God. It passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Keep that in mind. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God. Because we need to get these concepts together before we know what we are believing, we know how we are walking, we know how we are moving forward. Turn to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. So in Jesus, the fullness of the Father was there. Right? And in his case, it is different. Fullness. 
In our case, he says, in us should be the fullness of Christ. But how can the fullness of Christ dwell in me? In love. When Jesus walked on earth, what they saw was the fullness of the Father. He came full of grace, full of truth. He was the most loving person you would have ever encountered in your life without ever compromising on truth. And that's what God is talking about. The fullness of God. The fullness of God. Because as time is being being wrapped up like a scroll, we are coming to the end. When you are coming to the end, please remember, we need to know where we are going. We need to know how we will be judged. We need to know how we prepare for eternity. We need to know what's the compulsory subjects. Therefore, these three abide. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of this is love. And we saw two weeks back the four facets of love. The first is, it is passionate. Second is, it is committed. The third is, we saw it is sacrificial. And the fourth, we saw it is full of joy. This four has to be captured and we need to grow because that is the length, the breadth, the width and the depth of height and the depth of God's love. We need to understand and grow in it. Let me tell you, all your problems in your life and your home will cease the minute you understand this truth and walk in it. All the trouble in the families will stop. Marriages will stop. Homes will stop. Prayers will be answered. Things will happen. The issue is this. Because if faith does not work through love, sometimes God doesn't listen. God doesn't listen. We know it is faith that overcomes. But what kind of faith? What kind of faith? That is our issue when we read the Old Testament characters, right? Let me ask you this question. You read from Abel onwards, come through the book of Genesis, 50 chapters, then go through Moses, Joshua, and all these people. How many loving people do you meet? You don't meet loving people there. The only loving person I can find in the entire record in the book of Genesis is Joseph, who cried over his brothers. So he's a type of Christ. We see obedience, we see faith, we see come, all that. And then finally you come down in the entire Old Testament, you only find a man called David. We need to understand our struggle with the Old Testament is, if you read the Old Testament without understanding the New Testament, you will see one of the missing elements in the Old Testament is that you don't see loving men. You see a loving God. Waiting, waiting, crying, waiting, 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 waiting. But you don't see loving men and women over there. And that's our struggle. But that's not the new covenant. The new covenant is completely captured in Jesus Christ. He came to show us the love of the Father. And that's why the Pharisees could not understand it. Because the Bible says the sinners were flocking. Why were the sinners flocking towards him? Because he was full of truth. He was. 
Because he was unholy. He was the most holiest man who ever walked on earth. But why did they flock around him? Because he was the most loving person. So this four has to be captured. But today we are going to look at another four. There are four directions in which love goes. Probably we have time to look at only one. Four directions in which love goes. It's not east, west, north, south. First is God's love towards man. Second is man's love towards God. We are talking about believers, those who are born again. The third is man or my love for myself. And the fourth is my love for my neighbor. These two, these four are there in the two commandments. Love God with all your heart, with all. So God loves me, therefore I love him. God loves me. That's where it all starts. Then my love for God. Then this healthy love for myself. Then my love for my neighbor. We need to look at it. But everything starts with God. In the beginning, God. Okay? God has given everyone a measure of faith. God has poured out his love into everyone's heart. Everything, everything is in the heart. Okay, You believe in your heart. Faith is in your heart. It's not in your head. Faith is not in your reasoning. Because often faith does not meet with reasoning. Only the new man can understand faith. The old man, if you try to understand faith with the old mind, you will not figure faith out. Faith has been given into your heart. And that's what Joshua is saying. 43 years later, he says, I brought a report according to my heart. He didn't say according to my eyes. That's why Caleb, sorry, not Joshua, Caleb. That's why Caleb was different. Because he did not bring a report according to what he saw. He brought a reporting according to what he believed, what God had said. So faith is in the heart. It is not in the mind. It's in the heart. Love is not in the mind. Though the mind starts understanding the love of God, but love is primarily in the heart or in the spirit, in the inner person. And and it begins with God. It doesn't begin with me. It has to come from God. So the unsaved person has no capacity to love like God. Does not have the capacity. He may be a more loving person than you, only in natural love. But you have something which you haven't discovered. It is there. So everything starts with God. Everything starts with God. And let me tell you this. There's a difference between knowledge and love. Difference with it. We need knowledge. We need information. Now, you will receive a lot of information. Okay. But all the information you receive is meaningless unless you have the power to do it. So the question is not the information. What empowers it? What empowers it? The most well-known scripture is God so. Why did he do everything that he's doing? Because he loves. The entire creation, the entire plan of redemption is because of one reason, because God loves. If God does not love, there is no redemption. We can understand the mysteries of the cross, the mysteries of redemption and all that, but you have to ask a question, why? This is the season, Christmas season, why? Why? Why did God do all this? Because God is love. And God so loved the world. God, God so loved the world. So that's, that's where it all begins. 
Because you need to realize a lot of things can empower. Anger can empower. It's a negative thing. Hatred can empower. Jealousy can empower. Envy can empower. Lot of things can empower your actions. But God accepts only one thing. God accepts only love. You can have hatred, envy, and use a gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit, there is power, but it is not empowered by a heart of love. Balaam could actually see and he could actually hear and actually prophesy. But his heart was not captured by the love of God or the love for God's people. So get these pictures very, very clear because you know you can do a lot of things. A natural man can do a lot of things which is not empowered by the love of God. So it all begins with God because why? God is love. That's why 1 Corinthians 13, because he's going to a church full of gifts and full of trouble and full of fighting and full of conflicts, all kind of things happening. And he, in chapter 12, old days I used to preach, chapter 12 is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14 is about how the gifts should work. Two slices of bread and in 13 he puts the jelly or the jam over there. Parents, please handle your children, okay? I love your children. But please handle it. Let the ones at the back be able to listen. Okay, Able to listen. Otherwise you can come to the front. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I become an empty sound. Do you hear? Empty sound. Next verse. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not now, I am. See, I have all, 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 and end up nothing. Nothing. This is scripture. Next verse. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates, All my goods before I die, give in my entire inheritance for the poor. Not only sign of my body, eyes for eyes, lungs, everything, body parts also given. But though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Why is God saying? God says all these things can be done by religion. And religion is not motivated by the love of God. It's motivated by the love of self. At the core of every religion is self, not God. It is not the love of God. So we have to look at these things and start making course corrections in our life. Course corrections in our life. When God says the entire law and the prophets, 39 books, the entire revelation given to the, to the Jewish nation hangs on just two commandments, love God and love man. We need to ask ourselves, Okay, we have learned a lot in all these years. We hear, we pray, but God, what is motivating me? Why do I do the things that I do? Turn to Genesis 37. 
be looking at a small little case study and we'll go further into the message. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. One man, 12 children, 11 are mentioned here. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So, all there is natural love. Father loves one child more. He gives him a gift. The others can't now stand either the father or the son. And they hate him. And they will not speak to him. Right? And then God gives this man two dreams. He, in his innocence, comes and tells them these two dreams. Response. His brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 11, and his brothers envied him. Hatred, anger, envy, all in a family. This all happens in a family. Like you can ask my, ask my wife yesterday after seven years, I think last time we met was when my niece got married, seven years. It is like time had stopped and we started time. <laughs> if I was meeting, it's look. It was like time had stopped seven years ago, time started again. It was like, it's good to be a family, right? Good to be a family, right? Because everything happens in a home, right? It all starts in a home. There's anger and hatred and envy and they won't even speak to him. And then verse 12. His brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. Context. Don't have to go there. In chapter 34, their only sister called Dina goes catwalking to Shechem. But the problem was there was a leopard there and caught the cack. Finished. The prince of Shechem took her. She's done. The brothers are mad. They use duplicity. The next thing that you happen is all the people, the men in the city are put to death by the brothers. And they take their flocks and sheep, everything. And Jacob is so upset. He says, you have made me a stench in the nostrils of the people of the land. We are strangers here. We are aliens here. Look at what you have done. Then the word of God says, God says, rise up and go to Bethel. I have told you to go to Bethel. You were convenient in this place. You need to listen carefully and go to the place where I told you these kind of things will not happen because you should have been there. Anyway, you go and the word of God says, the terror of the Lord fell upon the plains people and they had safe passage. Now, after some time, these brothers have gone to Shechem. Father is worried. So verse 13. Then Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. I will send you to them. And he said, Simple question. Do you love your father? Do you love your brothers? Your entire destiny hangs on this Joseph. You do that. Joseph, you will fulfill the law before the law is given. Do you love your father? Do you love your brothers who hate you? Who envy you? 
who won't even speak to you. When they see you, they will actually plot and plan to kill you. But the question is, do you love your father? Do you love them? Pictures in the Bible. Shadows and types in the Bible. That's a simple question. God says if you love your own, it is understood. But if you love them that hate you, that's a different dimension altogether. And his answer is, here I am. This is what we need to understand what the kingdom is. This is how the kingdom of God operates. Because growing in knowledge without love is pointless. a waste of time. Waste of time. So we look to God first. The God kind of love. What is God's love? What is the nature of God's love for me? Most beautifully put across through the Spirit of God, through His servant, Apostle Paul. Romans 5. When we were still without strength. When did God love me? When I was helpless. Without strength. Taakati nahi tha. Kuch karne ke liye. I could not save myself. I had absolutely no strength to save myself. And that's when he loved me. Helpless. He died for thee. I was helpless. I was ungodly. Not that I was godly. I was ungodly. I was helpless. I was ungodly. Third, scarcely for a righteous man, a man will die Perhaps, but for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. I was without strength. I was ungodly. And I was a sinner. I was not a saint. I was a sinner. And the next verse I gave. For even when we were, I was not just ungodly and a sinner and weak. I was actually in practice an enemy of God. That is when God loved me. How did he love me? He sent his son to die for me. Get this picture clearly. I was without strength. I was ungodly. Not you, me. You're all good. You were not sinners. Look on your face. You were all saints. You were all very strong. No, I'm talking about myself. I was without strength. I was ungodly, I was a sinner, and I was enemy of God. What did God do? He loved me. How did he show his love for me? He sent his only begotten son. He didn't have two sons, he had only one. Are you getting the picture? Are we understanding the nature of God's love? Then we look into our heart, we realize, my natural love is not like that. You know what? If I am depending on my natural love on that day, I am doomed. When it comes to reward. I need to go deeper. I don't know whether I gave you that example here. Did I give you the example here? I said when I grew up in my my grandfather's house, I said no. It's the side of a hill. So we had three wells. Not edgy wells, three wells. Easiest way to was to go to the well at the lower part of the hill. Three lengths of rope, you can pull it out, it's easy. If you came to the middle one, you have to put out longer length of rope. 
But the one at the top, you have to lay out half a kilometer. You are young. You never knew how to draw water. You opened a tap, water came. That too from the Himalaya, snow melting. And here you are in Kerala. And this is a rope which is made of coir. And these hands have never really labored. And a little boy, you are struggling. So easy ways, go. But the difference was that the well at the top, it takes a long time, but you drew that water. You could drink. The one at the bottom, you never drank. Both was water, but the nature was different. God is saying there's a love in your flesh. It's easy. It's a love in your soul. A little more difficult. Uses imagination, thinking and all. And then there's a love in your spirit. Draw from it. It is there in your spirit. Draw from it. I have poured my love into your heart. What is the nature of that love? This is the nature of that love. When you are weak, without strength. When you are ungodly. When you are sinners. When you were my enemy. I loved you so much. I sent my son. That is what Christmas is. That's what love is. That's the nature of that love. And then at the end of his life, he tells his disciples in John 15, verse 13, he says, greater love has no one than this. What is that? He lay down your life for others. He said, remember this. This is what I have done for you. You getting the picture? And that's forever. And that's why he tells Israel, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Why this is important? Why this is important? Let me tell you again. Listen carefully. This is how God loved me when I was his enemy. And I received that love. Received him into my life like you did. What did I become? The enemy of God became the child of God. So the simple question is this. If God loved you like this when you were his enemy, can you love you less now that you are your ch- his child? That's where your security for eternity comes. Your security about your salvation, your security about your eternity comes on what you know. It's on God's love for you. If this is the way he loved me when I was his enemy, can he love me any less now that I'm his child? Can he love me any less? Where does your eternal security actually come from? It comes on the love of God. That is why we always ask this question and say, be very sure you're born again. Ultimately, that's the only thing that actually matters. Rewards and results something else. The boy who is roaming on the streets is not worrying about exams. He has not even got into the school. The one who worries about the exam is the one who got into the school. So don't worry about exams. First, get into the school. So be very sure of this thing. I am a child of God. I have been born again. 
It is not understanding things with the reason. In the spirit, I know that I am born again. I am being born from above. If you are born from above, you are a child of God. If you are a child of God, be secure. Be secure. Be secure. Go back home and read the entire chapter of Romans over and over and over and over again. I will give you some verses here. If you are a child of God, this is what the word of God says. Yeah, I gave it to you, Romans 8. Didn't I give you? Yeah, Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from what? The love of Christ. Focus on this. The love that God has for us is shown in his son. Who can separate you from the love of Christ? Simple question. Can tribulation? Can distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? God says no. If you do not understand the love of God, you will be separated by this. Your security is in the love of God. That is why morning you get a devotion which is all concerned with wisdom and knowledge and practical walking in the kingdom, applying for how to live. But the evenings ones are all people who have understood the love of God and they were never separated from the love of God in the midst of unbelievable persecution. 18 years in a prison in China, 19 years, 20 years. What kept them? It was not faith that kept them. It was love that kept them. I said the transition point in Hebrews chapter 11 is 11.35. Women received their dead back to life. What does it mean? They had the faith they would come back. But the others, their faith failed. They did not get their dead back. But you know what did not fail them? Their love did not fail them. Because in faith, you always hope for something. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. You're hoping for a healing. You're hoping for a deliverance. You're hoping for this. You're hoping for that. You're hoping for that. But sometimes it does not happen. Therefore, your faith fails you. But you know what will not fail you? The love of God will never fail you. That's why love is the greatest. You look at the record of the 2000 years of history, what people actually believed for did not happen to many of them. The opposite happened. Meaning, you mean they did not believe? They believed. Did it happen? No. But how come they remained faithful till the end? It was the love of God that constrained them. We need to understand. That's what the Bible is talking about. The next verse is 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God. That is in? Because we can understand the love of God only when we see Christ. When we see him, he came to show us the love of God. Nothing can. Absolutely nothing can. That's where your security comes from. Everything has its own place. But when faith fails, when your hope in this life fails, there is something that still holds you. You know what it is that? God loves me. I am his child. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Angels wonder. The entire angelic realm wonders. You know what? These people, see the angels, 
never get tired. They don't have to shower. They don't take a bathroom break. They don't go through any of these things. They look at these puny, they sweat. They are tired. They are running always for number one, number two. And God loves them and calls them my own sons and daughters. They don't understand this. One hand, God says, Jacob, I have loved you. Other hand, he says, Jacob, my worm. My worm, I have loved you. And they say, they cannot reconcile this. And how does he love us? He called us his own sons. That's where our security comes from. 1 John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. There are two perfections here. One thing, let me tell you. Don't focus on the perfection of your love. It will take a long time. Focus on the perfect love of God. You don't have to fear. Even if today, it won't happen. If you were to die today, die fearlessly. Die fearlessly. You know why? That is, there's, every fear is ultimately connected to loss and to death. How do you face life without fear? Because he loves me perfectly. He cannot love me more. He cannot love me less. I love you. I don't love you. No, he doesn't play games. The fake thing that floats around. This is where your assurance comes from. You know what? There is no fear. He loves me perfectly. Perfectly. My security comes from that fact that God loves me so much. He sent his only son to make me his son. The whole of universe is stunned that we are called the children of God. And there is no fear in that love. Once you understand the love of God, understand at least a little the love of God, you go back and read Psalm 23. The entire psalm is a psalm of love. The love of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Everything in that psalm is connected with the love of God. Do you know it's all about God? And if you look at that man, he's an undeserving man, but God loves him. I don't face lack. He loves me. He leads me. There are green pastures. There are still waters. And even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because I know he loves me. I'm in the wilderness where there is no provision. He sets a table for me. Early morning, he anoints me. My cup overflows. Goodness and mercy follows me all the day. Why is all this happening? He doesn't mention one thing he did. The only thing that is happening is because he is my shepherd and I am his sheep. You need to understand the psalmist's security is coming from the one fact. My shepherd loves me. My shepherd loves me. When you meditate upon the love of God, you know what? Your fear. And what kind of a shepherd is he? Jesus comes and explains to us Psalm 23 in John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for my sheep. 
David was prophetically speaking about Jesus. Like I said, all the old covenant prophets were speaking prophetically what we are supposed to experience. New covenant people are supposed to experience Psalm 23, not them. Therefore, our heart should be full of this assurance. Now go to Romans 8. Romans 8 is beautiful, right? How does it begin with? It begins with, I'm not going to the beginning, there is therefore no condemnation. You know why? Because in love, there is no condemnation. Love never condemns. It never condemns. It may speak the truth, but not condemns. If you take love out of truth, it is condemnation. That's why the Bible has said, speak the truth in love. You may know the truth, but you are not ready. You don't. You are not loving. Shut your mouth. Because if you speak the truth, it won't be received. It won't be received. It will be received as condemnation. Wait. 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 Because when Jesus speaks, he only speaks the truth. But when he speaks the truth, have you not, is the worst of sinners never felt condemned? But they felt convicted. The Samaritan woman who had married and divorced five times, living with her boyfriend, the sixth one, she did not feel condemned. Instead, she felt convicted and said, you are speaking the truth. A woman is caught in adultery. She's brought over there and they all said, what should you do? He didn't do anything. He just put his head down and said, whoever is without sin, cast, cast out. And they all left. Why were they convicted? Because they had no love. And he looked at her and said, is anybody condemning you? She said, no one. He said, I also don't condemn you. And then he said, don't sin anymore. You have experienced the love of God. You have experienced the mercy of God. Now go. Don't sin anymore. I didn't come to condemn. I have come to save. He is at no place negating the truth. He didn't say, you need to understand, he didn't say, you are innocent. He said, you are guilty. Do you know he said, you are guilty? He said, you are guilty. I know you are guilty. But I don't condemn you. Go, sin no more. Don't. Why did he say sin no more? That means you are guilty. I'm not condemning you. I came to save you. Get these pictures very, very clearly. Even when, go to Romans 8. Yeah, I love these verses. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you are a child of God, that's why I said the only thing that really, really counts is, are you a child of God? If you are a child of God, he is for you. And who can be against? It's a bunch of our words quoting, unquote, quote Moses, rebels who have come out of Egypt. The problem is the ones who came out of Egypt are his children. And here is Balak promising Balaam a house full of gold and he's taking strategic positions with altars and bulls and he's trying to curse. Nothing happens. And Balak is getting mad. And he says, what can I do? Because God says, I see no. How is that possible, God? God says, I don't see. 
They are my children. You got no business to deal with them. I will deal with them differently. You need to understand this picture. I think it's, I did not give it. I think it's uh, Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering, he has, read this carefully, perfected forever those who are being, who is being sanctified? What is being sanctified? Your soul. The new heart, the new spirit is perfect. It's perfected forever. It's not perfecting it, it's perfected. Because it's born of God. Born of the word of truth. Born of the incorruptible sin. That person is actually incapable of sinning because he's born of God. But the other person inside your soul has to be sanctified. That's why I said don't read your Bible with the old soul. Your mind has to be renewed. Your mind has to be sanctified to understand what God is trying to say. Otherwise you will be a split personality. Always struggling, 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 struggling. Because what is happening is the old man is trying to do the new man's life. And he cannot. All of the Old Testament is about it is impossible to live that life. It is not possible. It is the new man who is called to live. The new man has been made, born of God. Now the soul has to be sanctified. First is your mind. And the next is your emotions has to be cleaned. And the mind has to be sanctified. And the will will obey. Who is that condemns? Let's go back there, Romans 8. God is for us. Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He says, you don't have to work for it. It's freely given. Pastor Vijay has his children. They eat well, they dress well, they are transported to their school and they're back. They sleep well, they do everything. They're only asked to do one thing, they're asked to study. But they don't eat because they study. They're not clothed because they study. They don't have a good shelter because they study. All that they receive freely because they are his children. Even if they don't study. You have a child. That is called like we had. Special needs child. What happens? What is the child able to do? Nothing. Do you care? take care of the child? Yes. Why? Because he's your child. Therefore he or she receives all things freely. First get that clear. And then we do things. But the reason we do things is not to receive. We do things because we are his child. You make adjustments in your thinking. It will change your life. Otherwise, you will be caught in that slavish Old Testament, struggling, old man, struggling, 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 struggling. At the end of the day, he will come and say, your righteousness is like filthy rags before me. God, stop. 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 Like I said, there are a lot of things which we take it from the Old Testament which does not apply to us. Because like, you know, we said, no, he says, you know, I have forgiven your iniquities and I will remember your sins 
No more. That's a promise in the new covenant. And yet we go and sing, remember not the sins of my youth. God said what? <laughs> sins of a youth. Which sins are that? I don't remember. Do you know how much we are caught in the Old Testament that we keep on going and confessing the sins that have been repented, cleansed and forgotten? We go back because we don't realize that's not how God works. The reason I'm telling you is this is, this is important. When God forgives, he forgets. It does not mean he does not remember. He's able to remember without pain or hurt. And if you do not live by that new man, you will forgive, but you will not forget. And your marriage, your home, your life will be a mess because the old man cannot forget. It still hurts me. Why is it hurting you? Because it's the old man. It's the old man. The new man is able to forget like God. Yeah, I remember. Love covers. It's okay. It's okay. The old man is not able to do any of these things. The new man is able to do everything that. See, God will not ask you to do anything if you do not have the power he provides to do that. The power is love. A lot of people cannot forget. They are historical. Like the two men who are talking about, they're talking about their wives and he says, my wife, if I tell her anything, she gets hysterical. He said, that is okay. My wife, she gets historical. Everything from the past she brings back. Why do you bring it back? My question is, the problem is this. As long as you go back into history, you can never deal with the issues in your life. You have to deal with issues. But you can deal with issues only if you have learned the new covenant person to forgive. Why does God forgive and forget? Because he loves. That's why the Bible says, love covers. It covers. It covers. Are we getting it? Then... Who is he that condemns? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. These are all new covenant things. I give you a beautiful scripture. Okay, Read it carefully. 1 John 2, 1. 1 John 2, 1. 1, 2, 1. Okay, that's Pastor Vijay's math. I just took it for a second. Okay, 1, 2, 1. Okay. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not, you may not sin. That means, he says, as long as you keep on growing, you will fall. You will sin. The old man, a point will come when you will learn to overcome it. You may not sin. On the other hand, if anyone sins, we have a prosecuting attorney there. No. We have an advocate with the father. Meaning every child who sins, God speaks for you. He doesn't, Jesus speaks for you. He doesn't speak against you. That, that's not an excuse to sin. That is an excuse to overcome sin. The reason to overcome sin. Because you have. You should actually talk to some good lawyers. Once you understand their retaining fee, you will never want to go to court. <laughs> Yeah. 
one of those well-known lawyers in this city who practices in the high court, whom I know is a friend. He said, sir, I'm just dealing in this for you freely. My usual retainer is 10 lakhs. Free. Free. Advocate. Free. Every day. Forever he sits there to make intercession for the saints. It is not written, forever he lives to make accusation for the saints. Intercession for the saints. You see, unless you focus on the love of God, why do I say is that once you start focusing, there's no way you're going to overcome sin unless you focus on the love of God. Because it's very difficult to sin against somebody who loves you like that. Very difficult. When somebody loves you like, let me ask you, we have all the little babies sitting over there. How many of their parents beat them? The small ones, I'm talking about. They can't because they love them so much. They may cry, they may create a tantrum, they may not allow you to sleep through the whole night. But there's no abuse. Why don't you abuse that child? Because you love it. As they grow up, you discipline it. That will come to it now. Go to the next verse. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, not accusation. There's a whole lot of difference. Intercession for us. In verse 34, yeah, makes intercession for us. Did we get the picture? Even when he disciplines, Hebrews 12, Have you forgotten the exhortation which he speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves. Get that that very clearly. Whom the Lord loves. Whom the Lord? Why does he chasten? Why does he discipline? Because he loves. We have to get the difference between discipline, chastening, and judgment. Discipline is one thing. Every son has to go through discipline. When the son fails or sins repeatedly, he chastens. But even when he disciplines and chastens, the son or the daughter is never judged in terms of condemnation. He will not do that. Because if he loved you when you were his enemy, he cannot condemn you now that you are his son. He will not. There's a difference between this. I will, I will explain to you this difference, okay? Whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges everyone whom he receives. Here, you need to understand there is this term which is called disciplining. Disciplining. When a soldier joins the army, okay, poor fellow sees all these advertisements and all uniform marching, he joins over there, he has no clue that and this has no relevance at all. What happens? What is happening now is discipline in terms of training. It's very painful. Please understand, wake up early in the morning, you have to run. 
Then as you keep running, you have to run with weights. And it is now he's not being punished. He's not being punished. He's being trained. But a lot of people take discipline as punishment when he's not punishing you. Why? One day, when the soldier, when he finishes all this training and it's intense training and all, when he's at Galwan fighting a border war, when he's saved, he thanks that training because the training is what saved him. Are you getting it? Now, imagine. Joseph is a slave and a prisoner for 13 years. He's not being scourged. He's not being chastened. He's being disciplined. Do you hear it? He's being trained. You need to realize, we are being trained, or when we go out of the way, we are being chastened or scourged. What is the reason? You see, God has to give us power and authority and position. To handle that weight, the soul has to be disciplined. This is called the weight of glory. This glory that is going to be revealed there, we do not know. It has tremendous weight. My current soul cannot handle that weight. So it has to be disciplined. It has to be chastened. It has to be scourged. Chastening and scourge is when you go out of the way. But every soul has to be disciplined. If you don't discipline, you will not receive glory. You won't receive glory. Joseph has no idea the weight of glory he is going to receive. He saw two dreams. He didn't understand that dream. What was he going to be? He was going to be the ruler over Egypt. The greatest nation on earth. A Hebrew shepherd boy is going to be the greater ruler. Why? To take care of all these people with the love, the kindness, the compassion and the wisdom of God. For that he needed to be disciplined. Can you be given power? Can you be given authority? If the brothers hate you, will you love and serve them? Because the day if I give you power over the brothers, will you continue serving them or will you kill them? If your master and his wife abuses you, one day when I make you lord over them, how will you treat them? Ask the question. Everybody is looking for a crown. Can you handle authority and power if it is given? Take charge of ten cities. Can you take charge and rule like God lives? Do we understand where God is getting at? He says, these are my sons and daughters. I got a universe out there. You're going to rule forever. There are going to be people who did not overcome. There are going to be angelic hosts whom you have to judge. But the question is, can you handle that weight of glory? Therefore, every son I receive, I will discipline him. I'll put him through training. And everything that we are going through as sons and daughters in our own families and homes is training. And you are all, everybody is stuck there. Husband is not able to love the wife, wife is not able to love the children, children are not able to love the parents, parents are not. God says you are stuck. You are stuck. You don't, re- you don't realize this is the melting pot. This is your classroom. And in the church you are not able to love one another. Offense, unforgiveness, anger, bitterness. God says, deal with these things. This is the old man. The old man, flesh and blood will inherit nothing. The old man inherits 
nothing. Everything is for the new man. And the new man is forged in the image of God. And the primary characteristic he puts is, he pours his love. You should be able to love and walk in love without compromising on truth. You'd be able to work out your faith in love. And if we don't understand these things, we will not understand the purpose of God. Don't get caught in the temporary. Keep your eyes on the eternal. If you have been raised with Christ, what does Colossians 3 says? Keep your mind on things above and not on things below. So everything that is happening has got to do with it. And the thing with God, unlike our human system, is until you pass a particular lesson he wants you to learn, you will be stuck in that classroom. You won't be promoted. Because these lessons are vital in eternity. Teacher will say, for my record, pass it. God says, I have no record. If I pass it, it will mar my record. You'll be stuck there. And we need to realize this is where the issue is. What does the Bible says? Go to the next verses. Proverbs 13 and He who spares his road hates his son. He who loves him disciplines him promptly. Rod is for children and they are growing up, I would say, around four or five years maximum. After that, there are other methods of punishing. The rod will not work. The problem with the rod is the effect of the rod lasts around five to seven minutes. Much experience, man. Much experience, man. Much experience. Too much experience I had. Doesn't. After that, it doesn't work. So you have to innovately, with the wisdom of God, devise forms of punishment which will last longer. 30 days, no TV. 30 days, no going out. 30 days, you can't talk to your friends. 30 days, no pocket money. It It hurts. It hurts. Or people like Pastor Vijay, 30 days, no sambar. (laughs) What will he do? (laughs) No. Rod of punishment is for a season. But you have to. You love your child. That's why I said, you have to understand the nature of God's love and understand, you know what, we sometimes really don't love our children. It's not that we don't love our children. We never were taught through the word of God how to love our children. But even when you discipline your children, I always tell parents, be very, very sure you're disciplining them because you love them. Not because you're angry with them. Because the nature of God's discipline is consistency. The nature of man's discipline, who disciplines when he's angry, is inconsistent. And children see through it very easily. He's angry today, be quiet, don't do anything, you'll get it. Tomorrow he's very happy, do anything he won't say. Now that's not discipline, that's your mood swing. And by the way, our Father in Heaven has no mood swings. He'll consistently discipline you. Get these pictures. There are fundamental things in the home. And one of the things in discipline in a home, parents agree. 
always agree and don't intervene unless it is abuse. If it is abuse, intervene, but otherwise don't. When I was disciplined by my father, my mother would see a different tone. Stay away. Because a sari was my refuge. People don't understand the glory of saris. Because you could hide and you could hide. Boom, boom, she would get that. I would do all this Bharatnatyam and all behind that. So he would tell her, you stand aside. And then I received it. But when you grow up, it's not, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You need to understand that. But you have to be consistent because God is consistent. But the reason you are disciplining or being disciplined is because God loves you. God loves you. You cannot mollycoddle bad behavior. I'm telling you, even with your little children, you cannot because you're encouraging bad behavior. The problem is, as they grow up, you will find it very difficult to discipline them. So it starts early. Now, I'm not condemning any of your children. I love children, but I also had little children. They are big now, giants now, but they were not giants when they were born. <laughs> they were little. And I'm telling you, when they were born, I was already in ministry. I don't remember one day the children ever disturbed the church. All I had to was to look at them. It's not done. You know why? Because they were never allowed to disturb when we worshipped at home. Say no, no. Say no, no. Now, your children may be different, because all children are not the same, but you can inculcate that in them. You know? Basically, it is showing a reverence to the person of the father. Okay? That's why they obey. Okay? Why I always listened to my father was because there was this reverential fear. I obeyed. Okay? And these are things which we need to understand. Okay, Because if your child doesn't listen to you, you are teaching your child, you don't need to rever. You don't need to obey. Because God will discipline us. And then when God disciplines us, we will get upset with God. Why did we get upset with God? Because we got upset with our father and mother when they disciplined us. They don't know God and everything. They have to grow up to this. If you go to Hebrews chapter 12, if you endure chastening, stop a minute there. Go to First Peter chapter 4, 12 to 14, and we will come back here. Beloved, do not think it is strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happening. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceedingly glad. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. On your part, he is glorified. Now go back. Listen carefully. If you endure... When you are persecuted, rejoice. rejoice. The Father is disciplining you. God is the Father is disciplining. Endure it. When you are being persecuted, rejoice. If my, my Father was disciplining me and I rejoiced, I would have got more. 
Your father is banging you. Laugh. Come here, I'll give it to you. <laughs> People get this wrong. So when you're going through something, you need to ask the Spirit of God, is this chastening or is this persecution? Because if you rejoice through chastening, it will only increase. But if you endure persecution, it's not going to work for you. For the spirit of glory to come upon you, you need to rejoice. So when Peter and Silas were whipped, stripped, whipped, and thrown into prison, and legs locked up in the stocks, they did not endure. They rejoiced. Because they were not being chastened. They were not being disciplined. They were being persecuted. And they rejoiced. And you know what happened? The spirit of glory literally rested and came up into the prison room. But when you are being chastened, you need to understand one thing. You need to endure. Why? You don't know how long that season is. Because the purpose of discipline, the purpose, and all because God loves us. The purpose behind is that we share in his righteousness and we share in his holiness because he is conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. And this happens every day. So there is a discipline that takes place, which is training. There's a scourging that takes place, it's because of sin. David was disciplined as a son for a season and he becomes king and then he fell. When he fell, God said, the sword will not depart from your house. Now that is not discipline, that is scourging. All the way the sword is going through, finally at the end he weeps. What does he say? Absalom, Absalom. I wish, I wish I had died in your place. This is scourging. It's not being trained. It's not being trained. That is scourging. But through it all, God's purpose were fulfilled in his life. He's a person who understood and reacted because he, he understood God loved him. And that's what I keep telling Parents, whatever you do with your children, be absolutely very sure that you love them. Faith comes from? You believe in your heart? Confess with your mouth? Jesus is Lord. There's a simple factor about faith. Faith hears, faith believes, faith speaks, faith does. Love also works the same way. Love hears, love believes, love speaks. Do your children hear that you love them? Hello? I'm not asking spouse because that will ask you put a cat among the pigeons. So I'm not, I'm being very smart. I'm leaving it there because you will go back and fight. Okay, so <laughs> you never told me. Okay. No, no, that is not loving at all. Okay, that's not loving at all. I'm asking about your children. Do your children hear that you love them? Children have to be heard. Children have to hear it. The first many years of their life, they have to hear it a billion times. That you are loved. That everything that I do for you is because I love you. See, we need to get our images very clear. I am like that. No, that's the old man. Don't bring me I was like that. That is the old man. I don't want to hear about your old man. I want to hear about the new man. Because any time you talk to people, the old man comes up and says, I was like that. I, grew. I don't want to hear about you. I want to hear about you, the new man. What are you? 
the thoughts that I have towards you cannot be counted. So God thinks about you all the time, right? And he speaks about it all the time. So why don't you? What are you thinking about? Radiology? Microbiology? God is thinking about you, you are thinking about microbiology. Of course you have your work, but your mind should not be consumed by that because when you reach, like I look at my mom over there, the interesting part, her eyes are only looking, her children are here. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Do you think? Do you speak? Do you do? Because faith speaks. Faith thinks. Faith does. Love believes all things. What do you believe? This is talking about people. This is not talking about your work. It's talking about people. And it is talking about the love of God, which is there, deep inside, shed abroad. Now we, we have to forget all this theory and actually become practical. Because you know what? It will be seen. That love never fails. Because God can see. The Bible says, when God saw Leah was unloved. God saw. Right? But if you read a few verses earlier, it is written... Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. So it is not that he did not love Leah. That's a simple reason why God said, don't have two wives, because it is not possible to love them both the same way. So Jacob loves Rachel, Jacob loves Leah, but Jacob loves Rachel more. So the problem is, God says, Jacob does not love Leah. Because you can only love one person. You shall not have many gods before you because you can love only one god. You cannot love many gods. In literature, there's a great... I don't know. I don't call people great in literature. They are... Whatever they are. This man said, if you have loved one, you have loved all. So you cannot love two men and two women at the same time. It's not... It's simply humanly not possible. So God in his love and mercy is saying only marry one. Don't marry two. Because the minute he took Hagar, there's conflict in the house. The minute Jacob had two wives, there is conflict in the house. So God is telling us something. The question is, are we able to hear? So when your wife says you love your work more than me, listen, she's saying something which you are not able to understand. If your wife says you love God more than me, you say, yes, honey, it is true. That's what I have consistently told everybody in my life. If you ever get between me and my God, you will lose. But you get between me and my work, you will win. But don't get between me and my God because he called me first. And that you have to make it very clear. They won't trespass into that area. But be wise, marry a woman who loves God. But these are simple fundamentals. 
And most of the issues in, in the home is connected with that. And in the, see, what is the church? A set of families. So I can't change the church, but God can change the family. The families will change, the church will change. And the only issue in the church, in the home, is every issue in the home can be settled with love. Do you know if there is love? I have talked to tens and thousands of people over these years and I have noticed that. If there is love, people and families, husbands and wives are willing to sacrifice anything, go through anything, live in one single room and go through anything for the sake of love. But if there is no love, even if they have a mansion with seven air-conditioned rooms, nothing is working. So I look into issues and I realize almost every issue is an issue of love. And the problem is we are still working on that soulish level of human love and not understanding God's love. And the nature of God's love is that it gives. It gives. It gives when the other person has no capacity to give. And keeps on consistently giving. So if you want to be happy in your home, just keep giving. You will receive from heaven. There's no guarantee your spouse will give. There's no guarantee your children will give. There's no guarantee with man. But there is guarantee with God. Jesus says he has never left my father, has never left me. Paul says he has never left me. Everyone has abandoned me. But he hasn't abandoned me. This is a fundamental truth. That's what I said. We are not looking at my love for God or my love for myself. We are looking at the first thing. You need to be secure about it. Once you are secure in that and when you understand what it is, then only you will be able to love others. Even to love God. Because when you know how God loves you, you will not be afraid to love God. Because there's always this fear in love. I wonder how much she will demand. How much? Because there is always this fear in love. But with God, you never have to fear. If he ever asks you to do anything, you can be very sure he will pay for it. Meaning, not money, he gives you the power to do it. Doesn't matter who you are. Gideon, in this little strength, go and deliver Israel for I am with you. But when some minds have been messed up, by the fake and the counterfeit, which has filled our souls. The other one, it's like a well that is drying up. It's there. We are not able to draw from that. And we struggle through life. Are you saved? Yes. Do you feel loved? No. Why? Because you swallowed so much of the counterfeit that you are not able to sense the real thing. That even when he disciplines, or he only disciplines whom he loves. Do you know what it matter means? He doesn't discipline the world. He doesn't discipline the world. That's why I said if you look in the history of the world before the church came in, only one nation was disciplined, a nation called Israel. No nation was disciplined. All the families of the earth, one family was disciplined called Israel. You know why? Because he said he's my son. 
death. And now he talks about one more son. That is the church. And he says, if you really belong to God, he will discipline you. He will discipline you because he loves you. Everything. Everything. So get this very, very clearly. And as we go to communion, in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 32, this is what the word of God says. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. See, you need, he says, you know what? One day we'll have to judge. That judgment is the judgment of condemnation. And I don't want to condemn you. Therefore, what will I do? I will chasten you. I will discipline you now. I will discipline you now. That's the difference. So there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there is chastening. There is disciplining. And there is scourging. And like God told Saul of Tarsus, don't kick against the goats. Don't kick against the goats. It won't work. That's why, but we take it sentimentally without realizing what John 3.16 means. For God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave. And all those who received him, 1 John 1.12 says, as many as you received him, he gave them the right, the authority to become the children of God. So if you are a child of God, do you know what? John 13, 1 says, towards the end of his life, before the feast, Jesus knew his hour had come that he should be departed from this world to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Are you his own? Are you his own? Are we his own? He will love us to the end. He will love us to his end. And Apostle Paul, actually, even as he's writing this epistle, he's astonished by this revelation. Astonished by all these revelations. So we heard about the, the length, the breadth, the depth, the height and all. But he's, he's literally zapped by this revelation. You know what he says in Ephesians 3, 14 and 15? Then we'll go into communion. For this reason, what do I bow my knees to the Father? To whom? Of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Did you see? At the end of the day, where did we end? We ended up again at home. There is a home, there is a father, and there is a family. When you look at the love of this father and what he does, all you want to do is fall on your knees. Lord, what manner of love is this? Can you make your home secure? Let me tell you something about the home. As we let let the worship team come, as the worship team comes, let me tell you. When it comes to the home, so much weight falls on the woman. The weight actually falls on the woman because the 
वाइस वुमन फिल्स हर होम यू नो व्हाट इट मींस इट मींस योर चिल्ड्रन वॉच हाउ यू डील विद देयर फादर they will either learn to love god or not love god either learn to honor god or not honor god because all they see is how the mother deals with the father and how the father deals with the mother i've said this before why do you think the first 10 sons of jacob were rebels because of the mothers Jacob loved Rachel didn't love the others and the mothers didn't cover the father they exposed the father and the sons were bitter towards the father Joseph would have gone that way but God took the mother out early so he wouldn't be embittered by the mother these things matter these things matter the home matters all our doctrine all our teaching is not going to change our children do you know why the prodigal son came back to his senses 15 17 if i am right what did i give you look 15 17 18 look 15 why do you think he came back when he came to himself to his senses how did he come to his senses what did he say in my fathers what what was the thing that brought restoration he knew his father was a very kind loving person that's why he wanted to go back home one thing i tell my wife don't help prodigals you don't you are not loving them the love of god does not help prodigals he allows them to go down that is the love of god if you know somebody is a prodigal don't help them it's being unloving it's being unkind it's like giving money to a drug addict you're not loving him you're loving yourself that's a fleshly carnal destructive love god allowed the prodigal son to hit the pig pen because he loved him but when he came to senses what he could think about is you know what even the lowest in my father's household experienced the kindness of god love is first and foremost what kind that's what caused him to come back and that's what jesus was whenever he saw the crowds you know what he had he had compassion he had compassion upon them all these things are part of god's love and we need to understand what the bible what god has revealed through his son and you need to realize that you know what that is what i want to be lord help me it is there in me now teach me and help me lord because god says that love never fails it never fails it never fails You know why we are all sitting here taken care of 11 months and 4 days because his love never fails for 6000 years god's love has never failed he's still taking care of us 
Does he have faith in us? No, not much. I don't have faith in myself. How can God have faith in me? Don't confuse trust and faith and all. It's his love that is keeping us. Next time we will look at what is my response. But I cannot respond correctly until I understand how God loves me. Because this is what God said in response. If you love me, you will. Why do we love him? Because he? See, if we don't understand how he loved us and loves us, we cannot love him. And as long as we cannot love him, anything you hear, you will not obey because you do not have the power to obey. The power to obey is not faith. The power to obey is love. You can write 100 laws. You will not keep a single one of them because the power to obey is not fear. It is love. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But the question is, why do I love him? Because he first loved me. And the simple question is, how did he love me? That's why the apostle and the angels are amazed. What manner of love is this? What manner of love is this? That's what Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees and the people of his time using these parables. The prodigal son went further and further and further and further. What's he walking away from? The love of his father. He didn't think about his father. He was not thinking of his mother. He was not thinking of his home. But the point of the matter is the father never stopped thinking about him. Never stopped thinking about him. Never stopped waiting for him. The simple question to ask is, don't go into your soul, unsanctified mind, full of Bollywood and Hollywood songs and movies. Go to the love of God which is real. And then ask, if God thinks about me all the time, do I think about the people I love all the time? How many times did you call your wife last week? How many times did you text your husband last week? Let's be practical. Because if you love, you will call. If you love, you will talk. If you didn't call her, you didn't call him, probably you didn't have him or her in your thoughts. And then you expect God to talk to you when he says, I think about you all the time. Because the first law put over there in the new, in before man fell is it is not good for man to be. So what was the purpose? Fellowship. Do you fellowship? Is there fellowship in your home? Because we are talking about restoration. The first thing that is restored is fellowship. You are able to talk with one another. Not talk at one another. Talk with one another. Because most people don't talk to one another. They talk at one another. Meaning you are not listening. You are framing arguments. That means you are not listening. You got issues in your heart. You got issues in your heart. Deal with those issues. Because these things don't matter. 
when you stand before God, none of these things would matter. And all your works don't matter. If it was not done in love, flames take it. You just come through with your salvation alone for all of eternity. So as we go to this table, Rama, what is this table? It's a table of God's love. Let's have the elders look at it. Now what he said? My body and my blood. Greater love has no man. Come. My Lord, what love is this that pays so dearly? Your love never fails. Even now we are standing here because of your love. You told to your servant David that my love I will never withdraw from him. And you are talking about a prophetic people in Christ Jesus that from us you will discipline us, you may chasten us, you may scourge us, but your love you will never withdraw from us. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. This morning as we partake, the emblems of your love that was poured for us on the cross, I pray it will bring healing. It will bring strength. It will quicken our mortal bodies. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we close, I want to look at two. You, you can stay there, the worship team. I want to look at two verses from the Old Testament because we are only looking at God's love for us. They're very powerful verses. Psalm 27 and verse 10 and Isaiah 49 and verse 15. When my father and my mother forsake me, then, then the Lord will take care of me. And my father and my mother forsake me. Then the Lord will take care of me. Look at the next verse. Can a woman forget her nursing child, not have compassion on the son of a womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Why is God bringing this? Because the closest relationship usually is in a home. The love of the parent for the children. And the love of a mother for a suckling baby. You know what God is saying? 
He's saying even the love of a mother for her child, at the core of it is selfish. It's my child. It's about my child. My child's future. My child's education. My child's. God is talking about the devil's children. You are of your father, the devil. Everyone born of Adam did not belong to God. And he says, God so loved the world. And he gave his only begotten son. So God goes to the gamut of human experience and he says, can a woman forget a nursing child? Yes. Women have eaten their nursing children. But he says, I will not forget you. So God is elevating love to another level altogether. He says, that's not human because our human comparison is always to the mother's love. Right? Or the father's love. That, God says, no comparison. That also will fail. Don't, don't resort to that. Because you think you are a loving father or a loving mother does not mean your love is genuine or true. There's only one love that is true. That is God's love. You cannot rely on that. You have to rely on something that is not from below. That is something that is from above. And that love is that will save us. And keep us. Because when the last days comes, because of the increase of iniquity and lawlessness, the Bible says the love of many will grow cold. Where? In the home. Loveless homes. Loveless couples. Loveless parents. Loveless children. But he who endures. What is that we have to endure? We have to endure the love of God. He will discipline us until he teaches us how to really love. Get these pictures. So many of the issues people battle with are meaningless. We are two of us here, two siblings who are saved in the family and three who are not saved. So our joke is there in the gospel according to Luke, it is written, three shall be against two and the two shall be against the three. (laughs) (laughs) But we say we are not against, we are for. (laughs) But you know what? Whatever disagreements we may actually have. It doesn't even take 60 seconds to go when we meet. It doesn't. I mean, if that's how a family love will work, earthly love will work, how much more is the love of God? I mean, I look at, I look at all of you young people, married to believers, married as believers, married to believers, I don't understand your problems. I don't understand your problems. So I understand that your problem is that you don't love. Your problem is you do not love. And God says, I gave you the solution. I have poured, Romans 5, 5, I have poured my love. My love into your hearts. And then he says, this is how God loves. This is how God loves. 
This is how God loves. One of the most powerful stories ever I have read. Unbelievable story. It's from the Vietnam crisis. You know, the Vietnam War, America fought, POWs, Korean crisis, all those things that took place. America has fought many wars, lost many sons for others. There was this lady, a living lady, married, very loving couple. Husband was sent abroad for war. He didn't come for a long time. Come back for a long time. And she's waiting, 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 waiting. And one day she gets a letter, him saying that, I've fallen in love with a Korean woman. And I married her. I'm not coming back. She's heartbroken. She's heartbroken. Many years passed. I'm not trying to remember in my mind. Somewhere in my library I have that. She learned to continue to love without hate. No bitterness comes, hatred, all that. She dealt with all that. Continue to love. No communication. Many years later, she gets a letter. In the letter he says, I am dying. I am dying. Don't think I will survive too long. She is grieving. Then she gets another letter by saying that I will die soon. And I worked out the papers. I have a child here. And I'm sending her and the child to US, to you. I know you. I want you to take care of them. And he died. The story ends with, real life story ends with this Korean lady and the little child coming and this lady waiting in the airport to receive. And the title of the story is, Has Anybody Loved Like This? That she's able to receive that woman who took her husband away with the child and love her and take care of her as her own. That's not human love. That man does not have. That man does not have. Now my question to us, all these people with tongues and prophecy and wisdom and knowledge, when you stand before God with people like that, how are we counted? How are we counted? Where do we stand? Do we understand the love of God? Do we understand how God loves us? I mean, we all look good to each other. We don't to God. We stink. We stink to a holy God, a righteous God. But the fact of the matter, He loves us. That's why He said, post-cross, He has nothing more to say. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. I have nothing more to say to you. This is my final word. This doesn't cause you to love me and obey me. Nothing will. If this does not cause you to love one another as I have loved you, nothing will. Because you need to understand that truth will come from another Sunday. Me loving God is not going to change God one bit. It's not going to change one bit. What God wants is that, if you truly love me, 
love one another. That's all I ask you. If you truly love me, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. He says, if you truly love me, love one another. That's how the church in Jerusalem began. Jerusalem began. And the, the Jewish, it's not the Samaritans or the Gentiles. The people who had lived under the law were shocked by the church. Because they had never seen love like this before. They had never seen anything like this before. Okay. That's all God is talking about. He has to see. Otherwise, everything we do has no meaning. That doesn't make any sense. God says, would you please? And you cannot, the problem with love is this. You cannot make demands. And I know many of you struggle. The wife struggles and says, you don't love me. The husband struggles and you don't love me. Do, do. You cannot make demands. The minute you make demands, it goes. The nature of love is that it can only exist where it is free. God loves us freely when we did not know him, when we did not care for him. He loved us. Now he says, this is all that I have done. I will leave it to you. Love me freely. He will not coerce us. He will not force us. So this is where the liberty lies to the man and the woman. Your wife may not respond or your husband may not respond, but you can be free in loving your wife or your husband and giving your life. And you experience liberty. You can choose. You can choose. And you will suddenly understand what does it mean what liberty is. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. And I am telling you, the Lordship of the Holy Spirit is revealed in a loving relationship. That's why the God says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And you can do it. Each one of you can do it in your homes. You can do it. There are words, there are thoughts, and there are actions. This morning when you go back, look back and ask, what did I do for my spouse this week? Let's start there. Let's not go anywhere else. And how did I do it? It's not just what I did. How did I do it? What did I do? Or if you have children, what did I do? How did I do? Because the motivation is not this. The issue is final exam is coming. And this is how it will be graded. You have all this empty. You have all this nothing. And the problem you will say, I don't have it. True, you don't have it. It is deep inside you. Go to God every day and say, Lord, would you please love through me? Love through me, Lord. Love through me. That's what First Thessalonians or Second First Thessalonians one three one three says. You know? It's a beautiful words about the Thessalonian church. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Faith has? Love has? Does it have works? It's more than work. That's why when you go to a maternity hospital, that room is called labor room, not work room. Work room is your office. That's a labor room. It's a labor of love. 
9 hours, 18 hours, right? Abigail or somebody, 18 hours. It, she was working. No, she was not working. She was laboring. Love has labor. Faith has works. Ask yourself this question. What was your labor in love the past week? Four days of December. Because we want to finish well. What did you labor? How did you labor? Where did you labor? In love. Amen? As I close, I'll use that example, no? It happened to us once. We were in a hotel. 11 o'clock, our youngest child wakes up and says, I'm hungry. We call up the restaurant. They said it's closed. Now, that's because in the restaurant, because the restaurant's workers work by faith, and that faith stops at 11 p.m. But if you were at home, and you wake up at midnight, and you tell your mother, I am hungry, does she say kitchen closed? Do you see the difference? What I'm saying is, do you have set timings for relationships? Is it office timings? Is your relationship a work of faith or a labor of love? I have a set timing for my wife. Don't call before or after. Children, do you have a set timing? Discipline, I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about, it's like the little father who read the storybook for his child. And she wants you only the same storybook. Same story. So finally he was a pastor. He was busy. So he said, you know what I think? He bought a tape recorder, recorded the story, and she was tickled pink. He said, honey, listen to the story first. Two days, child is interested with this new thing. She listened to it. Third day, night, she is back in his study. He said, what happened? It's not working. It's working. But I cannot sit on its lap. Get back to fundamentals. God so loved the world, he invented TV. Right? God so loved the world, he sent an iPhone by Amazon. No, he didn't. He sent his only son. Get these pictures. This has to take less. I'll give you back years. In two days, my mother got seven years back. Just two days. Seven years back. Last time she saw all her children together. All she's looking is looking around, looking around, looking around, looking around, not talking, looking around, looking around, looking around. Because at the end, you will only regret when you talk about time. It's not the things you have lost. The opportunities you missed. The people you did not invest in. Nothing else makes any difference. Nothing else does. Shall we stand? Because he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Let me tell you, he's coming for people whom he loves and who love him. I didn't say it, he said it. 
If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be cursed. <laughs> Come Lord Jesus. And then he turns around and says, if you love me, love one another. That is our problem. We want to say, Lord, I love you. He says, yeah, I saw you in your house. You don't love me. You don't care. It's all words. All words, you don't care. Amen? Father, this morning we stand before thee as your children. Blood-bought children. We look at the cross. You don't have to say one more word. The proof, the evidence of your love is the cross. No man, no father, no mother has ever loved us the way you love us. Now your word says you have poured that love in us. And we are still trying to love you and love one another from the soul. And we are offended, we are angry, we are bitter, we are unforgiving. But that's not your love. Love is not easily angered. It covers. It edifies. It does no evil. It does good. Pray, Father, as we go into this month, remaining days of this month, this year, we would learn to walk in love with one another. Forgiving one another. As the word of God says, as God forgave us in Christ Jesus. Your word says, be kind and tender hearted, not hard hearted. To husbands, it's particularly written. Husbands, do not be bitter towards your wives. God knows men better than men know men. Do not be bitter. I pray, Father, will put away all bitterness, all this laziness, and truly learn to labor in love. So on that day when we stand before you, the only thing that would matter are my loved ones with me. Loved ones with me. Only thing that matters. We can win them only by love. Because love never fails. Never fails. Love through us, O Lord. Let our faith work in love through love. Your kind of love. Not that human soulish love. How powerful it may, ultimately it will fail. God's love never fails. Help us to be secure in that love. And therefore be free to love. For there is no fear in love. Let there be healing in lives, healing in homes, honor and reverence for one another. For it is written, husbands, honor your wives as weaker vessels. Wives, see that you love and honor your husband. 
children honor their parents. Let these truths be evident in our homes. That God would live in our midst. In our homes. I bless your children in your name. Meet each one at their point of need. Be with us. Go before us. Go with us through this month. When we look back, we'll be able to truly say, it was God the Lord's doing. And it was beautiful, marvelous in my eyes. Though I failed 11 months, in the 12th month, God made up for it. My latter end was better than all the other months. We may fail, but God is here to help us succeed. Because he's a father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We stand in your house and we declare, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever, God's people said. Amen. 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 The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. Have good loving fellowship.